in such a tremendous season in 2021 as he gives this one a ride down the left field line and it is gone Vladdy goes yard against Otani and has a home run in consecutive games got a pitch up and absolutely drilled it off of the left field foul pole. Well, indeed he did. That is Matt Devlin with the call last night. The Blue Jays, my Blue Jays beating the <laughs> Los Angeles Angels 6-3 to in the first of a four-game series. Kevin Barker, Jeff Blair. It is Blair and Barker. So we talked about the Shohei Otani versus Vladimir Guerrero Jr. showdown, the battle between last year's American League MVP and the guy who wanted at least one first place vote in the American League MVP race now. Kevin, let's ton to talk about after that game. George Springer homering to get it going. You got to explain to me why Mike Trout, why he can't hit Hyunjin Ryu where it seems like everybody else on the planet can. And of course, I also want to talk about Bo's game and Danny Jansen's game as well. But let's start with, with Otani and Vladdy. That at bat, you know, remind me of something you said after the St. Louis game. Vladdy gets the curve, takes it, mm-hmm. gets the next curve, hanger. It's not in a good location, and is all over it. I mean, he looked. To, it looked to me like there was a thought process there. Sure. Well, there, there's obviously been some some homework done that now the <laughs> the words out that down and away is a little bit of kryptonite for for Vladdy, and that's where they're trying to go. Especially if you're right-handed, you're trying to go out there. You're trying to live out there. You're trying to get him to go the other way, which is, you know, I don't, I don't think he wants to consistently do that. Now, something up hanging where he stays inside out the baseball and he can hit it over there with, a, with creating a little backspin. Maybe if he's on time with his lower half, he'll he'll do that occasionally. But that's not where he wants to go. He wants to live up the middle to the pull side. Uh, yeah, it's it's I, again, it's whenever you were talking about that yesterday, a lot of people made a big deal out of the Otani and Vladdy thing. For me right now, Vladdy's in one of those situations. I'm not real sure it matters who he's facing. Now, it may add a little something to the mix of he's the MVP and he's the front runner to win it again. Maybe that adds a little little something to it. But you can tell the bats got better. Well, mm-hmm. one through nine. Mm-hmm. Now, now, I know Springer. You know, everybody <coughs> says, well, move Springer down the order. That's why they're not moving Nobody down the order. Nobody says move Springer down the order. Well, Nobody who knows some people there. do when they're struggling and, right. you know, runners in scoring position. You'd rather have your better hitters up when it matters the most. And leading off, probably he's not going to get a ton of chances because of who's hitting at the bottom of the order. But this is why you lead him off is, is when – you know, he can have at bats against really good pitching like he did last night. Just puts everybody else at ease. You could see that. Like when when he fouled off the two two strike pitches and he got the one right down. Now that 97, that's a little down and away. Mm-hmm. How good you have to be with your lower half after the two pitches that he fouled off. That's what's impressive about when he's going the way he can go and he's doing this against good pitching. It's good pitching. It's good pitching for a reason. It's because they can go in because they want to get you out of way. And for a guy to know that and to be mechanically sound enough to drive down and through the baseball and catch 97 out front, that's away from him after the two pitches that he got in that he fouled off that were tough pitches to to foul off. That's elite stuff. The 48 homers he's got as a leadoff hitter leading off a, a game. That's I, – I don't even know how to explain that. Like, I don't – that. 
this you can tell after last night. You know, then he had the the base hit that he had on the the all speed pitch to right center. The, just the at bats, the the awareness of how he's being pitched, what he means to this team when they can get hot, what he means to this team when they're facing a really good pitcher. That he sort of is the guy that why they paid him all that money is to just put everybody else at ease. And I think his at bat was was giant just because he's he's he does elite stuff, man. Just the, that at bat, I was thinking about that when I was when I was sitting watching that at home. And I was like, man, could I have done that when I played? Not a chance. Like to be able to foul two pitches off in get a pitch that's 97 at the knees down and away and be able to go back leg city to left center field because he's mechanically sound and he's smart enough hitter to know that this is probably how they're going to try and get me out. That's elite stuff, man. Yeah. He, uh, is fourth in leadoff home runs in baseball history. Ricky leads at 81. Uh, Alfonso Soriano, people forget how good Alfonso Soriano was Mm -hmm. in his day, 54. Craig Biggio, 53. George Springer, 48, tied with Ian Kinsler. Curtis Granderson at 47 as well. What did you make of Shohei Otani last night? Lots of strikeouts, but lots of good contact. See, I, I got to be honest with you. I'd watch the, a couple other starts. Sometimes I like to watch the elite guys. I'll watch video a little bit before guys go into games just to, because it's fun to see maybe what they're. I know you watch Otani a fair amount. You I, like Otani. I do. I just didn't realize he's, he's, he would spin it as much. I mean, he was in love with the slider. He liked the split finger, obviously, with two strikes. That's the elimination pitch. He'll throw that to both hitters, lefties and righties. He should. It's a really good pitch. He throws awfully hard not to throw awfully hard a lot. Like, I just don't understand why. If I threw – now, George Springer said it right when Hazel, I think it was, asked the question, you know, how do you going to attack Shohei Otani? And he said the reason why Shohei Otani is special is because he can add and subtract mm-hmm. on multiple pitches. And if you've noticed last night, like his cutter was anywhere I saw an 83, I saw an 87. Uh, his split finger, I saw an 85, I saw an 88. Yeah. His curveball, I saw a 71, I saw a 73, I saw a 75, I saw a 77. His four-seamer, I saw a 91, I saw a 93, I saw a 95, I saw a 97. And if you're trying to go up and hit this and be mechanically on time to be able to just do things with your barrel to get it out in front and, and hopefully make a solid contact. But I, the one thing that stood out to me, obviously, is the way he spins it. And he'll go to it, oh, oh. 102031 like any count it's not fastballs like it's i'm it's almost like i'm he's thinking i want to spin it first and i throw my fastball cuz i have to right not because i want to because i have to and that's an odd way to to try and get people out and you would think that'd be very hard on his back which i know they took him out they took him of, out with back stiffness. maybe i don't know if that has anything to do with it because he's a big man he moves it, around a lot he's very athletic he also said that he was said after the game that he actually the back stiffness uh, showed up after a slider he threw to Vladdy in the first inning. So he pitched, he pitched through. Overthrowing, and you could see actually in the third inning a couple of times he went like that with maybe, his back. maybe overthrown. He's in love with it, and I don't know if that's an adjustment he'll have to make. I'm, I'm, I would sh- sure think that that would have a put a lot of pressure on the elbow, the shoulder, the back, the lower half to right. to, to do it as much as he was trying to do it. But you can tell why he is just every the 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 demeanor, uh, the must watch. The attention that he draws. Just imagine being Shohei Otani every single day. I, I was thinking about that whenever I was watching him and, and Sportsnet was panning out when he was warming up. How many people were around him taking photos mm-hmm. on the field? 
not, not in the stands, on the field, videotaping him, taking photos of him, like he's doing it basically for two countries. Like that, that is just to say that, that him trying to separate that part of it and actually go out and perform the way he does. How much fun he has. I noticed that too, the top of your ground ball where he was running down and top of you sort of peeled off and he was pointing like, I don't want to really tag you, so just peel off. It's you know, it's kind of fun that he, he has this much fun does, doing it the way he does it. He does stuff in a way that doesn't show up the other team. Like, I didn't think he was showing up Tapia there. And Tapia's no, no, reaction was kind of the I'm, same. I'm with you. I don't really want to be tagged yeah. out by Giant Human either. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> I thought it was it, – it, it was – Pretty cool. It's a thing about Otani I, that I really enjoy watching it, is it, he, has, he has an awareness. He knows how good he is. He knows – how much attention is on him, and he's quite comfortable with it, it and really, it doesn't come across as arrogance. That's well said. It, it's really sad that he's on the West Coast. It's it, I, it really is for baseball fans. Who, dude, can you, who, dude, who can you imagine to him try with, to stay up at ten thirty at night to watch a baseball game? Is I hate to say really this, hard. you know where I'm going to go with it. But can you imagine him with the Yankees? How huge he'd be, I, or maybe I not that, even the I Yankees. Do you I'm think not, maybe a different men, team? Well, mentally, could he handle it? That'd be the first thing I'd ask. We, we watch. Uh, Trevor Story in Boston, how much hard times he's had early in the season handling the pressure of playing in a big market. The Angels not a big market. Like, yeah, really, like if they win, they win. If they lose, we're used to seeing them lose. If he does, you know, fails on one side of the ball in New York in Yankee Stadium, how yeah. would how would how would that how know. would he handle it? I now just he think- looks like he's he's having enough fun. He, he's you know, confident enough his body and all those things, but still, it's a different animal. He's to do he's this, do it in those places. Maybe that's why he didn't want to go there. I, I think he's got a little bit of Hideki Matsui in him, and Hideki Matsui was just loved. New, I mean, he just ate up New yeah, York. Yeah, but he didn't try and do it on both sides him. of the ball, which is you know, when you're a unicorn and people have never seen anybody do it at an elite level like he does. I threw 98 miles an hour last night on the mound. I can't, I just can't fathom that. Um. We mentioned Vladdy got a home run last night. It's the first time this year that he's homered in consecutive games. And Kevin caught a, a little bit of commentary on the telecast last night, something Pat Tabler said that really got your attention. So, Lance, if you get a chance, can you, can you play this clip? Can you play the clip from, uh, I believe it was Tabby, right? Yeah, it it's Tabby. Can you play? Vladdy's second at bat. Yeah. When he had his big year last year, they started in spring training with this low tee by putting it inside and keeping it low. Simulating balls down in the strike zone. Remember, he had that reputation of hitting a lot of ground balls. So they wanted to change his swing angle and have him swing up a little bit more, especially on that ball down. So they did a lot of tee work, and it paid off in a big way for him last year. Recently, they brought the little tee back out again. And they want to simulate that ball down and keep it close to the body. So he keeps his hands close to his body, stay inside that baseball, and that low pitch lifted in the air. At times, he can get a little bit deep where his swing, he swings too much down on a downward plane. Well, they're trying to change that and get him to get the ball in the air, change the swing path a little bit on those low pitches. That was Pat Tabler during last night's game. Kevin, that got your attention because I know you were a guy, you talked quite a bit about using the T. Sure. What's odd about that? Well, for for the, I got to be honest with you, the first time I I thought of that, I thought uppercut. And I know I've heard Vladdy say triple crown. He ain't going to win no triple crown with an uppercut swing. It's just not. The the average that he has to have to win a triple crown, I mean, 
what for me anyway makes Vladdy special is how level his swing is and how hard he hits the baseball because he hits the center part of the baseball. He's not trying to create backspin. The only reason he's topping baseballs is because he's doing something late with his lower half. His hands are playing catch-up, and that creates a little uh, you know, dip in his backside, which has that barrel, and there's not link to it in the strike zone, and that's why you see him in and out of the strike zone, and he hits those. I, <clears throat> this is one of those things where, again, I've never heard anybody say that about Vlad. That's the first time I'd heard that. I mean, that's great information. That, that Tabby would share with us that he'd heard that they'd been doing that with the low T and So basically the idea is to keep his hands closer to uh, well the the ideal is they wanted they want to get him to get the ball in the air because last year I I I was went back and did some digging. Last year he had twenty six homers on elevated four seamers. Twenty six of his however many homers he had <clears throat> was elevated four seamers. That would tell me that he likes to do a lot of things in the middle of his body, like the the barrel is in here. It's in the middle of, it's not out in front. It's right. not below his waist. The barrel's not like the, a lot of his hard contact is in the middle of his body. And that allows him to catch up to high velocity. Uh, this, this is where when we have conversations about sometimes you got to let it go in one ear and out the other, man, you got to be careful about rocking the boat here. Cause if you, if you start to notice every name, a hitter, Okay, Aaron Judge. Aaron, Aaron Judge is one of the guys sort of like Vlad. He likes the ball up, don't like the ball down. Uh, Giancarlo Stanton likes the ball down, don't like the ball up. Uh, Mike Trout likes the ball down, don't like the ball up. Every, what point here is every good hitter has a weakness. You're not going to correct it. Occasionally you uh, will have to go up and hunt it, hit it hard somewhere to just give that doubt in that pitcher's mm -hmm. mind that I can still do it if I'm looking for it. To ask Vladdy to go up and start trying to create loft because you're basically putting an uppercut in your swing, man. You're asking for, you're you're just you're you're asking for slumps. But quite, apparently, quite. it worked last year. I well, I I, I question that. I, I, that's something that I'm not really not sure about. Twenty six homers on elevated four seamers, lot. That's a lot. So I I question on how many times he would hit. I I haven't done enough digging to know because of the year he had last year. Who's going to do that? Like who go back and pick right. that much at a guy because he don't like the ball down or he can't do something but with his lower half he's still to be hitting. able to hit a line drive to right center field? Like who would do that? Go back and pick that much at it. I, this is just me anyway. <clears throat> if you can get a pitcher who can go down and away, down and away is different than down down the middle. Mm -hmm. That's different. Down and away, your mechanics, your eyes leading the barrel, you're on top because you're trying to create backspin to get the ball in the air to right center field has to almost be perfect. If you have issues with the lower half on getting on time and it could be numerous things last night, I got to be honest with you. The, the amount of time that he did not have in his second load, mm -hmm. which is when he has his little gather and he stops that that time between the time where he stopped to when he went again was not as long as it was two or three days ago, which will tell you he's made an effort off the field to try and correct that part of it. Because what happens is, is when he waits, when he has his little gathering, everybody can picture, he stands basically straight up and down. He's got a little bend with his knees and where he puts his barrel. But whenever he makes his first little move, he, his hands tend to drop lower because he's waiting on the guy to go, waiting on the guy to go and the ball to get here. And now he's trying to play catch up with his barrel and get his hands back up. And that's why you see a lot of times he's late. The last couple of games, it hasn't been there. There's been a little bit more 
it's been I'm going to go to it, and I'm not. There's not going to be as much stop. There's a little bit more rhythm to it and more timing, which will tell you he's either starting it sooner, he's starting it later. There's something that with that pitcher that he's doing, it's a little bit more on time, which allows him to be able to get the barrel to where he wants it to go. Like if it's down and away, now I can get it there because my lower half is connected to my upper half. Man, I wish I was on TV a little bit more to be able to show that connection between the two because that's a huge deal. That little gather that he has, just to be able to have it and not have it stop as much allows him to be able to flick it. Like It's like that little because he has elite bat speed and Mm hand-eye coordination and all the things that great hitters have. But it's that it's very hard as a hitter. That's why you don't see good hitters start and stop and start again. Because a lot of the times what you want to do is you want to start it and you're trying to play catch-up with your lower half, and that's when your barrel goes down like this, and then that's when you start creating a lot of the in and out like he does, right? Whenever he's getting, like, late with his lower half, he wants to play catch-up, and that's why you see the ground balls to the left side of the infield. That's why when I ever heard Tabby say that, I thought to myself, got to be careful with that. The year that he had last year, now occasionally – just because if you got a guy that knows how to pitch is not a thrower and can get it out there and is consistently getting it down there, maybe you need to go up there and figure out a way to hammer it one time. But to think you're going to go in a cage and try and create loft, to hit 340, he talked about hitting 340. That barrel, at least for me, has to be able to get it in there and stay in it level. For a very long time. If I start creating some of this, well, I shouldn't say this because we are on a radio show. Yeah. the bar- Basically, the barrel is below your top hand. Right. I got to explain it that way. Is that, is that, yeah, no, that's exactly right. Yeah. Your, your, your barrel is below your top hand, which is that's starting to create loft. When you start creating loft, what do you do? You miss the baseball more. Right. When you miss the baseball more, you don't get hits. That's what I'm saying is you got to be real careful with. Elite guys starting to think that they have to fix every little thing. Nobody can cover the entire plate, Jeff. The entire strike zone, it's impossible. Mike Trout can't. Mike Trout's the best player on planet Earth. He don't like the ball up, but he will choke up occasionally on a guy because he knows he's going to get it up there. Occasionally, he'll ambush that, and he'll try and really stay on top of it and hammer that thing somewhere, but... I just thought that was an interesting little little conversation yeah. that Tabby was having with himself there, and and that gives you a little insight on you just off the field what these guys go through to try and play a little catch up when the leagues, you know, made the adjustment to them and trying to play catch up the adjustments back to them is it's a pretty cool thing to listen to. Uh, a reminder that we will be joined today. Perry Manassian, general manager of the Los Angeles Angels, joins us. John Schneider, bench coach of the Blue Jays, joins us. Bill Shaken, the national baseball writer for the LA Times, will uh, be along in a few minutes. The uh, Angels are having all sorts of issues getting a new getting a new stadium mm-hmm. built, and uh, it's kind of an interesting it, it it's it's an interesting story because of course the Angels and the Dodgers share the same. They share the same city, even though Anaheim is you know, farther south. The Angels Stadium is farther south than the Dodger Stadium. But uh, we'll talk to Bill about that and also about, obviously, the Angels. So, Mike Trout, best player in the world. I mean, we'll go with that for now. Oh, it's, it's a thing. Shohei Otani's pretty good. Why does Hyunjin Ryu own Mike Trout 
And why is George Springer now, what is he, 6 for 11 against Shohei Otani? Let's start with Trout and Ryu. Explain that to uh, me. A lot of the times, things you can't explain. And this is, I think, one of those. Last night, Ryu threw quite a few pitches right down the middle. Like, he got away with a uh, quite a few to some really good hitters. Location was there. They had a little front hip pull. It almost looked like a couple of guys couldn't see the baseball for whatever reason. Mm. They were having a tough time. Twilight, I don't know. I, I wasn't there. But it just seemed like where the pitch was at, who was hitting, why they were missing, make you puzzle a little bit. I do know in the past that Ryu would throw him the kitchen sink. Yeah. If I got six pitches, I'm throwing every single one of them to you. Basically, what that did to Trout was say, how do I game plan against this? Because he he add and subtracts. Now, this Ryu is a little different because now it's more of a slow breaking ball. He's trying to change speeds, take the sting out of your bat with that, speed you up, elevated. Now, last night, glove side was better. Wasn't great, but it was better. You could tell he was trying to force it in there because he knows he has to get it up a little bit. He can get some cheap. You know, he had some bad luck with the little blue pitch. Yeah, he had, had a lot of he had a lot of bad luck last he, night. He did, he but really they were did. but they were elevated. If they were down a little bit, those are outs. Okay, but it's I, I just think Trout is one of those thinkers. He he's, he's sort of in his head a little bit. You can see that too. He'd swing through a, a eighty nine right down the middle and sort of step out and be like, I just maybe I should be using somebody else's bat. <laughs> I like I just, like there's just no real reason for why I'm not. Was he zero for thirteen? Which yeah. is not a giant sample size. No, but it's enough for. Make you wonder why an eighty-nine year, uh, an eighty-nine mile an hour fastball that he, but this is just me. From the times that I've seen him on video, from the times that I saw last night, I just think there's so many pitches. The the change of speed with the change up, the big slow breaking ball, the elevated hater, which you know when you got a guy that can locate and can pitch to your weakness. I talk about David Phillips all the time. He's the one guy out of the pen, not much of a strikeout by guy, but he can get to your weakness or reuse that guy. If you have a weakness that's elevated. I'm not going to live there, but I know I'm going to go there with two strikes, and I'm going to go there when I can get you out. And I think that's sort of the the part of it. And I know I know Trout thinks that he knows that he can get it in there, and it's just one of those things that that's sort of his guy that he didn't like facing. And small sample size, I know, but Springer and Otani, Springer is looks awfully comfortable against him. Uh, he does. Springer for me is is he he. Raises oh, you mentioned occasion. this. He, ra- he does. Yes. He, he raises his level of, of what he's trying to do to the occasion, to the guys he's that's facing. Why you, that's why you want him in the playoffs. You sure do. <laughs> like, that's why you want him leading off against some really good pitching. And hopefully we get to see that. But I, I just think he's – he can hit velocity. He can hit a homer in a big part of the field, which is up the middle the other way. Like, he can live in there and still be okay. We saw that with the base hit that he had to right center. We saw that the home run he had to left center. Uh, he can foul off good pitches from good hitters from from good pitching. Uh, he's he has an idea what what he thinks that guy's trying to do against him. And sometimes just a guy's really good. And and again, this is one of those things where like there's 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 not a lot of George Springers in the world who can go up and and foul off a 95 in to get a 97 down and away and get arms extended and be good enough mechanically to be able to do what he does. I mean, we're watching something special. A couple of things we should mention, by the way. Uh, Hyunjin Ryu did leave the game after, what, 65 pitches? Yeah. Uh, complaining, ah, complaining, but commenting on having tightness in his elbow. Uh, That's saying never good. It's never good. He's, you know, it's, it's no issue, according to him. But anyhow, yeah, tightness in the elbow, probably not the thing you, you want to hear necessarily from your pitcher. 
Uh, Kevin Biggio started at first base. He was called up yesterday. He was on the taxi squad, activated yesterday. Vinny Capra sent down. Um, you know, it's one game, but he looked to me like Kevin Biggio did before he went down. Um, did make a couple of nice plays at first base, mind you. And, uh, yeah, tonight, second game of the series is Manoa against Chase Sil- Silseth. Saturday is Yusei Kikuchi against Michael Lorenzen. Sunday, Jose Barrios against Patrick Sandoval as uh, the Jays continue this this four-game series. Just touched briefly on Danny Jansen's home run. Um, you know, we've talked a lot about, about Janel last night after those, or yesterday after those two home runs against the Cardinals. Again, I, I thought, you know, I can't break it down as well as you can, but that did not look like an easy pitch to hit a home run on. The way he, or let, let, let's put it this way, the way he swung the bat, did not look for for me. It had nothing to do with that pitch. It was the the o one pitch that he took on the black that was middle away. It wasn't even really middle away. It was on the black away. To to have enough confidence in yourself mechanically, to have enough confidence in yourself to know that I'm going to take that one. That's a pitcher's pitch. I can't do anything with that. Mm-hmm. I'm, I don't want to hit the ball that way. Why would I even swing at it? It's okay for me to be in an 0-2 count because now I can battle and hopefully he will throw me something down the middle. Now, down the middle could be up middle, yep. could be down the middle. Like it's, that was up middle. But to my point, he took the 0-1 that was on the black to make it 0-2. He fouled one off and then he got the cookie that he could do what he wanted to do with it. I've been preaching this mm-hmm. for the longest of times. This is what good teams do. No matter what the count is. Now, obviously, with two strikes, you can't take that pitch. But until you get to two strikes, I'm looking for something that I can do maximum damage on until I get to two strikes. And that's what you're seeing right now. It's those kind of at-bats. You ask me why he's taking off? That's why he's taking off. Like he's buying into, I can't hit it over there. If I do hit it over there, I'm out, or I'm going to jam myself, and, and that's not what I want to do. I want to drive the baseball up the middle to the pull side. Why would I even try and attempt to swing at that? It's not strike three, strike two. I still got another one, and if I can fight another one off down the middle, which is a spinner, and get something that I can get the head out, that's that's fun to watch. That's good stuff. That's a, that's big league. That's a big – I hate to – this is the first time I've ever said that. That's a big league hitter having a big league at bat. Mm. How about that? That's good. I like it. Uh, Jordan Romano. Where's the velocity at? Is he hurt? That's the first thing I thought of when I was watching him. I, I, I get it. You have a bigger lead. When's the last time we saw 99? I'm not saying I'm not saying hit 99. I'm saying pitching at 99. Where's that been? What is he? I know he just came off of having the – you know, the squirts or whatever he had for, <laughs> forever. <laughs> but that, that'll take a little something out of you. But Certainly will. Like, I, I, where's the 98, 99 at? Like, I, I, that's, that was the first thing. And I got I got if, if it wasn't so late, I would have been texting you going, hey, wh- why is he throwing 95? And you can tell whenever he's having some issues is when he lets it eat and he turns around and looks at that scoreboard and it says 95 point whatever it says. And he's going. That was not a... Uh, and that's that been, was, that that's was not a couple let, of times in a row here. That was not a comfortable inning. I I, I kind of I I expected something to happen that Com- inning, which concerns a, me. Comfortable is a I I don't know about that. I I just it's so it's something for me again. It gets back to that balance of lineup. 
And if you're Ross and you're watching these games and it's right in front of you now, there's no question that you're going to have to go out and get some better arms at the back end of that bullpen. You just are. Like, you're going to need some – we've seen that with the David Phelps. I, I love David Phelps. I, I think I feel very comfortable when he comes in. But occasionally, a first to third with one out, you're going to need a guy that can just throw a yacker and get somebody some weak little swing. And and hopefully you don't put pressure on a Kevin Bishop at first base to go and tag a bag and make right. a perfect throw over the runner being right-handed. Now to tell you that that's an unbelievable play. And if you're, by the way, if I'm Joe Madden, I'm chapped at Duffy. He did not don't be afraid to hustle. Yeah. Stop lollygagging from third base because every run matters. Think about that extra run in the ninth inning, how much more pressure that would have put on Jordan Romano. Yeah. That's it's little things like that that you have to hustle that, you know, the little tag. But getting back to Kevin Biggio, that's, a, that's an unbelievable throw. Trust me, from a guy that used to be left-handed, I could do that and step forward a little bit and clear myself to throw that to the target at second mm-hmm. base. When you're right-handed, you can't do that. Like, you almost have to throw that over the runner's left shoulder, which is and you don't have that's time. Elite, you don't have elite for hope. You don't have time to think or aim. You uh, you absolutely do not. You got to yeah. put something on it. You got to you know you're hit trying to hit the shortstop as the target with the runner. And you can see uh, the the runner was sort of bearing over to make it a little harder sure. for Kevin to throw the ball over him. That's an elite throw. Now Kevin's offense is. I'm with you. Looks sort of like it looked when he left. But defensively, I said this to you. He's not going to hurt your team defensively. Like no. he'll he'll do enough. He'll make to catch the balls he's supposed to catch. Make the right throws and. It's just well, what's he going to give you offensively, and and is you know what Cavan is, does that warrant a roster spot on a playoff team? That's and, what you got to ask yourself. And I have to tell you, with that play, I was really surprised. I just assumed I in my scorebook, I had Duffy scoring. I just assumed that he'd scored. I I would have thought so too, but it gets it gets again. You you start to lollygag, yeah, and that and, makes you a lollygag. Absolutely, and you start like la la la. I just think this is I'm going to yeah. score or. You know, or because you have to tag. Yeah, he and can't be. That's the thing, though, with that play. If you're Matt Duffy, you can't take that for granted that well, the out's going to be made at second base. He it's did. a hard play. Well, some players aren't good enough to take that. But for Matt granted. Duffy's a first. Like he's he's a first baseman. He should know that, shouldn't he? I, I mean, mean I, just 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 know, hustle. Put, have right? a little urgency on the bases. Yeah. And I, I've said this. You want to be a good teammate? Score for me. <laughs> Bill Shaken is a national baseball writer with the LA Times. Uh, Lots to talk about with Bill about the Angels and the Dodgers. And, and this, this Angel Stadium situation is kind of interesting because I was sort of under the operating under the assumption that everything look, was looking up. And then the mayor quits and all sorts of stuff happens. There's legal action. City Council says, no, nah, we don't want part of this. And uh, I don't know where the Angels are going to end up. They hear talk about them going to Long Beach, which would make a certain amount of sense, I guess. But uh, we'll talk to Bill Shaken about that. It's Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590, the Fan 360, and wherever you get your favorite podcast. The smartest takes on the biggest stories in sports. The Fan Drive Time with Ben Ennis and Stephen Brunt. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. We'll have a pair of tickets to give away for the June 3rd game against the Minnesota Twins. Later on in the show, John Schneider, bench coach of the Blue Jays, joins us. Perry Manassian, Angels GM. Ooh, good show. Parker's back leg bits. I should have shown up with clown makeup on. You should have. <laughs> a reminder that tonight, tonight's game is an Apple TV game. 
Big Ten Four, good buddy. There you go. <laughs> Saturdays, isn't it? It's back on sports, man. Gucci oh, and Mike. Good. Oh, tell you what. He's passed him out. Uh, Jose Barrios against you say it. You'd be a ter- terrible baseball player. Huh? You'd have been a terrible baseball player. What? Cheese by a mouse. Whatever. It's not It's not whatever. <laughs> Can you want to say it? Do you want to try it again? Or? No. Brios <laughs> against Sandoval on Sunday. I, it's just it's meaningless. Yeah, yeah. It's a good try. Sneaking the cheese by the mouse. <laughs> just sounds wrong. That just, sounds like proper <laughs> English. I know, yeah. Yeah, how many baseball players you know speak proper English? Come on, not many from not not many from Virginia. The other side of the mountain. The other side of the mountain. <laughs> That's not uh, true. That's not true. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. So we basically picked apart last night's game. It was a good game. You can yeah, tell. The, you can tell the bats are getting better. You, it's it's almost like they because of who they're facing. They have to get better. Now the, the you're starting to see there's a sense of sort of activity at the top of the order now. Bo's getting those hits that usually that mm, Bo usually out, gets. Two out RBIs. Two out RBIs. A big deal. Um, well, I would love to. I would love to say, uh, well, who am I to tell Bo? But uh, what what if Bo laid off the the one that's four inches off the plate? Oh oh. To get the one. Yeah, but how about how about one oh is better than oh one? Yeah, that's that's kind of Bo though, isn't it? Well, I mean, Bo wants to hit 300. He Bo can hit 300. Bo would hit 300 a little easier if he'd lay off the one that's four inches off the plate to get the cook. Because when he gets the cookies, he hammers those things. Like the ball comes off of his bat in a hurry. And maybe it's just, again, I, it took me a little while, and that's because I went from big leagues to double A. You better <laughs> figure it out in a hurry that, you know, you better hone in on what you want to swing at. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. But I think we're on, no, we're on the same page. The the at bats are looking. They are. They they've they've looked they've looked better. They just have Jordan Hicks. I, for whatever reason, Jordan Hicks seems to have. I wouldn't say I'm not going to say it's entirely in Jordan Hicks, but they just look. They started to look comfortable against Jordan Hicks, and it's just it's it's continued over to this game. I mean, who knows how long it's going to go? But there was a difference when you compare their at bats. You know, people will say, well, we started to see signs of the approach against Cincinnati. Not as much as I don't think we saw against that, that now last game. Now, if you can just get Lourdes and, and Matt Chapman to yeah. come to the party, get them a ticket. Oh, Matt Chapman again, though. I mean, he's, he's. He doesn't have a trigger. Needs a trigger. Some, something to get it going back, to get it going forward. Like, whenever most guys, and this just me, there's only one Ken Griffey Jr. Like, Ken Griffey Jr. is the only guy that could roll it and go. Roll it and go. He's the only one. Mm-hmm. And then there's everybody else who has to have a load. Like, they have to have something going a little bit back to get it going forward. That's why it's sort of like that rubber band theory. Like, you want to pull it back to its fullest to let it go. Hitting's no different. You want it going back so I can get as much going forward to, so when I hit it, everything that I have into it can go into hitting that baseball, and it's going to go really, really far it just seems like he's very armsy, like he's very handsy, and he gets a bunch of lazy pop-ups. Uh, normally, when you look at Major League Baseball and you talk about stadium issues around Major League Baseball, your focus tends to be on Tampa. I mean, the eternal stadium issues, I guess you could call it that. Tampa and Oakland. Uh, I would be willing to bet that there are a lot of people out there who... 
kind of don't know that the Angels are in the middle of their own stadium crisis right now. I know you, we, you, I told you about it yesterday, and you kind of, well, I mean, they're I the Angels. There. I love that place. Angels, it's L.A., yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bill Shaken is a national baseball writer with the L.A. Times, and he joins us and Blair and Barker to uh, fill us in on this this particular situation. Right. Bill, thank, thanks so much for joining us. Um, just kind, kind of give our listeners the Coles Notes version, because I got to admit, I, you know, I kind of followed it from a distance. I thought it was kind of, sort of, almost going to get done. And then all of a sudden you start hearing, I mean, anytime you hear the FBI is getting involved in something, it's generally not good. So just give us a, kind of the Coles Notes version or the abridged version of, of uh, boy, Coles Notes that I date myself. Give us the abridged version of the, uh, of, of the Angel Stadium situation, if you could. I thought you were going to say Cliff Notes. Maybe that's the American version of Cole. It is. Cole's anyway, Notes is what we had. Cliff uh, Notes, yeah. Either way. And it, it, yeah, now, of no. course, you just Google. Exactly. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Um, so, basically, if you've been to St. Louis or Wrigley Field lately or San Diego or any number of other ballparks, the trend has been let's not just have a ballpark surrounded by parking, Let's have a ballpark surrounded by restaurants and shops and hotels and things to do before the game and things to do after the game. And by the way, the team owner controls all that and makes a lot of money. So everybody's happy. That was what was about to happen in Anaheim until a week ago when just before this thing was about to go final, basically like two outs in the bottom of the ninth, and an FBI affidavit shows up in court that mentions that the mayor of Anaheim just might be corrupt because the FBI agent thinks that there was a plan and they have a recording of the mayor saying this because the FBI informant uh, was wearing a wire to record the conversation where the mayor is saying, hey, I got to get the stadium deal done so I can get my million-dollar contribution to my campaign from the Angels. Now, There isn't any evidence that the Angels ever gave him any money. But in the meantime, the rest of the city of Anaheim went, what? Mm. And within a week, the Anaheim City Council had killed this deal that they had worked on basically for nine years. And again, it was the equivalent of two outs in the bottom of the ninth. So was there anything, let me figure out how to phrase this. Was there anything wrong with the deal other than the fact that the mayor was corrupt and was getting a million bucks from the Angels? In other words, if this deal gets re, you know, re gets cooked again or gets uh, represented, is there a chance that it goes through? There was a lot of talk among residents within the city about how the land was being sold at a substantial discount to the angels. In other words, if you put all this land around angel stadium on the market and just put it out for bid, but you would probably get a higher bid than what the city negotiated with the angels, just because they only negotiated with one bidder. The city said they didn't think that was true, but also they said, but look what we're getting. We've got a parking lot that's been sitting there for 60 years as a parking lot. We can put up all these restaurants and shops and hotels and homes. There's a huge housing shortage in California. You get 5,000 homes out of it, make some tax revenue. The angels pay for all this. The city doesn't have to pay for it. There's a lot of great things in this deal. And now that it's off the table, 
the city actually went back to the Angels and said, look, there's, I think, what we could call the stench or the taint of corruption. How about let's just redo this deal? And the Angels said no. The Angels have thought they had a deal with the city twice in 10 years. So right now, everybody's going to take some time to figure out what to do. But it's probably an indication of what might happen, that when the city notified the Angels of this decision, they said, we hope you agree with us. But by the way, please preserve all your documents unless this goes to a lawsuit. <laughs> uh, Bill, it's, uh, let me sort of get this straight. Is it okay? They like the field as it is right now. They just want to expand around it. My question would be, why, why did just they can't build around what they already have? Can they do that? Yeah, the genesis of the whole project was that Angel Stadium opened in 1966. It's the fourth oldest stadium in the major leagues. Still a comfortable place to see a ball game, but certainly it's showing its age in some ways. And so the question is, if you've got to upgrade the stadium or consider building a new one, who should pay for that? So in a lot of places in America, unfortunately, cities still hand out money for stuff like that. That's how the Raiders got to Las Vegas. Mm -hmm. But in California, we've kind of figured out that that's not a good thing because the team isn't sharing its revenue with you. They just want your money up front. So the deal was, hey, Angels, if you develop all this land that we've been trying to develop for years and you do it at your expense, God bless. Make a lot of money. We'll get some tax revenue. And you take that money and do what you want with the stadium. So right now, that's what's in jeopardy. Where does Long Beach figure in this? Because I keep uh, I keep hearing shouldn't say I keep hearing I keep reading that that there's is there a possibility of moving to Long Beach and does that make any sense over the years and as I said this has gone on for about a decade um, Artie Marino the Angels owner has checked out other cities in Southern California it doesn't make much sense to leave the second largest market in North America it's not as if he's going to pick up from LA and go to say Nashville or something Mm -hmm. but uh, other cities in the area that might work. So Long Beach a couple of years ago came in and said, hey, we've got this great spot. It's right on the waterfront. It's also a parking lot. We'd like to develop it. Would you like to come on down? And they talked about it. And ultimately, the problem or the challenge would be that the land for the development, which is how the Angels are going to make all their money, was three times as great in Anaheim as it was in Long Beach. Mm. Uh, So they put that on hold, did the deal with Anaheim, and of course on the very day after the Anaheim City Council said, this deal's corrupt, we're just going to kill it, Long Beach said, hello, we're back. (laughs) Um, How much of this is can be blamed on Arde Moreno? I don't think any of it, to be honest, because If you're a team negotiating against the city and the city has shook hands twice now within 10 years and told you you had a deal and it's fallen apart both times, there wasn't any corruption the other time. It was just a dissent from the mayor. But why would you want to sit down with the city and do another deal again? Mm -hmm. The contrary view would be because it's still the largest spot of land you can develop. And because the stadium's already built, so if you just want to renovate, you don't have to pay to build a new one. It is probably still the most logical spot. But Artie Marino is going to turn 76 sometime during this season. Like, 
why bother? You still got a lease in Anaheim that didn't go away. Right. So we just go back to the lease. They're there until the end of this decade, at least, and they can stay longer if they want. I, I, I hate to say it. I think the most logical conclusion is nothing happens. The city doesn't get any money off of it. The fans don't get an upgraded stadium. It just sits there. Bill, really good of you to join us today. Thanks so much. Thanks, Bill. Uh, all right. Go Expos. <laughs> Take care. <laughs> That's Bill Shaken, national baseball writer, the L.A. Times. That is interesting because I, I, you know, you don't, you never think of the Angels as as having a stadium issue. I mean, it, it is having gone there a lot of times. Yeah, it's showing its age, but man, it's still a, it's a nice place. It's a nice place. It's certainly a great place. For, was a great place for the media to work. It's a nice mm-hmm. place to watch a game. I mean, it's like Dodger Stadium. You know, yeah, Dodger Stadium's dated in a lot of ways, but mm-hmm. there's dated, and then there's California dated. Mm-hmm. And it's one thing to be dated in Buffalo or Indianapolis or any Detroit or any of the Rust Belt cities. It's another thing to be dated in California. And there's just so much there's so much around the stadium. The the vistas, the views and everything are so great that that uh you know, maybe I feel different if I was a season's ticket holder, but someone to just go in there for a weekend, it's it's just lovely. That's that sounds like an owner wanting to make more money. He he sees other teams having the the city outside the stadium. Yeah, and he's wanting to how however because the, the, I don't look, think it for me anyway has anything to do with the stadium. Like I, the stadium's I, good enough. And well, no, it, it, it's nice just, enough. It's it's it has it, it has these like you know all all the things the concourse areas and that. Sure. Yeah, I mean it would be nice to have a nicer stadium uh the playing field and everything itself i've always thought it's kind of cool i love the the rocks and center field and i know when disney ran the team they did all all sorts of uh all sorts of renovations um bill is right anaheim you know if you want to build a like an entertainment district around the ballpark Mm -hmm. It's much more preferable to do it where they are now in terms of highway access and, and, and things of that. It's much more preferable to do it in Anaheim than in Long Beach. Long Beach is kind of Long Beach is kind of cool. Sounds like they want to start over. They they don't want to add to the exist existing one. They well, want to blow it up, start over, and then but, sort of build what they want to build. But Bill's point is good. If you're RDA Marino, you're seventy six years old. Yeah. What? It's gonna be a five or six year thing mm-hmm. you've already got a a lease that carries you through i think bill said to the end of the decade like if you're already marino at at this age do i want to build a new one I'm making more money and do we, does he really need more money it's a legacy it's issue i got i i i don't know it's uh yeah i i it's it's, it's a very strange strange situation the fbi right? thing <laughs> But I think that's, that's more scary. focused. That, it, it that's is. more focused on the mayor, and, and um, you know. But anyhow, uh, it is. Bill did make a good point, though. It's one thing to try to get a stadium built in a place like Miami, uh, where they I mean, they're getting they're getting in another situation with the major league soccer team down there. You, you'd think they would have learned from the Marlins, but apparently they haven't. It's another thing to do it there, and another thing in in. in in California, which is a little more savvy and a little more, um, let's just, uh, there are, Californians ask more difficult questions when it comes to spending public money than a lot of other places mm-hmm. do. 
But yeah, you played in it. Uh, as I said, to work and to go to it's uh, it's Club, it's, Clubhouse it's a cool is huge. Place. You've been to Clubhouse? It's it's massive. Huge. Oh, I love it. It's massive. It's the best. It's the best one. You get haircuts in there. You get. That's great. Get haircuts at the Rogers Center too. Yeah, you get haircuts anywhere. But they even did you see the Rogers Center, the clubhouse they got? Holy moly! It wasn't like that when I was there. No. So they're spoiled. But it's. I, I just did that. Intrigue. I mean, it's no that Jumbo's intrigue. clown room, yeah, but it's pretty not. damn close. Nothing can live up to that. It's I. That intrigues me about the. It's rich people wanting to make more money. That's basically what this comes around to. And how do you do it? How do, how do you do it that's going to benefit everybody? That's, a, that's an, in, it's an intriguing yeah, and, thing. And now you're getting into things like luxury suites and things like that. And I, and mm. I don't pretend to know. Uh, I, I don't pretend to know what the Angels, the Angels situation is with that. But um, I think the, the whole, the idea of the entertainment district is, you know, you're seeing that. You've seen that everywhere. And you've seen it in L.A. around the, the arena in L.A., that's kind of where it has to go. And yeah, it makes a lot of sense in Anaheim to have that right now, uh, to, to have that situation set up. But B- Bill is right. It's like, folks, you want to see parking lots. I mean, it is, it's parking lot heaven there. It is. I mean, it is just massive. It is. It is massive. With a stadium in the middle of it. Yeah. <laughs> that's what it is. It is massive. It is. You have to drive across the parking lot to get the yes. stadium. A long ways. Tell you what, covering a World Series there with a rental car. Ooh. Like, seriously. You, Where did you, you park? How, how, how far did you have to walk? I mean, I was in another county. It, it, it seemed is, like it, it was like crazy. a half hour. Seriously, it was, it, mm-hmm. not kidding. It was a 20, 25 minute walk to the, crazy to get into the stadium. It's just mm-hmm. huge. And of course, it's California, so there's a lot of cars. Uh, John Schneider is the bench coach of the Toronto Blue Jays. Perry Manassian is general manager of the Los Angeles Angels. Kevin Barker is my co-host. He does Barker's back leg bits. That plus Blue Jays tickets to give away to see the Twinkies on June 3rd. It's Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590. The fan, wherever you get your favorite podcast. And if you're watching us on TV, you're watching us on Sportsnet 360.